HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food and beverage radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. My name is Greg Benson, and before we open the show today, I want to share something that I've actually never shared in public before. Um, so I'm a single guy, right? I live in New York City. I have fun. And sometimes some of the people that I hook up with and mess around with are dudes. Now, Am I saying this because it's the first Wednesday in June and I'm coming out waving an enormous rainbow flag being like, guess who's one of you? No, no, I, I still count myself as a straight guy, not because someone with the exact same tastes and experiences as me can't be bi, but because I feel like it would be disingenuous to be able to live this life in this body and then turn around once a year and demand my own special little spot on the pride float. Um, I'm saying this because I think it's really important for those of us who aren't a part of the queer community, but still say that we support it to look really, really closely at our own straightness. Straightness doesn't mean just one thing, just like there's not one type of beer or one type of tree. There isn't just one type of heterosexual. Human needs and desires and turn-ons are a vast, beautiful, amazing, disgusting rainbow. And trying to put our sexuality into neat and tidy little boxes is like trying to store maple syrup in a wicker basket. It is messy and it is futile. I'm also saying this because recently the state of Montana barred their only transgender lawmaker from the state house floor for speaking out on gun violence. Tennessee very publicly passed a bill to ban drag anywhere a minor could possibly witness it, which is kind of everywhere. Missouri posted a tip line on their official government website that allowed people to rat out their neighbors for providing or receiving gender-affirming care. I'm going to say that one again. The state of Missouri posted on their official government website a tip line where people could report anyone they wanted to for receiving doctor-prescribed FDA-approved medicine, and Florida is currently trying right now to make it legal for the state to take transgender kids from parents who are giving them the necessary life-saving care that they need to be who they are. All of which brings me to this nasty little feature that is built into the nature of hate. Hate is easy. You can decide to hate something when you are 10 years old and you can hate it effortlessly for your entire life. You don't have to learn about it. You don't have to put in any extra work. You don't have to devote one single moment of critical thought to it in order to hate that thing with the combined force of your entire being every single day until you die. And that's what this is. This is hate. And I promise you, whatever it is that you like to do, 
and the privacy of your own home, those same people hate that too. All right, I'm talking about porn, I'm talking about birth control, I'm talking about living with a partner that you have the audacity not to get married to. Whatever it is that you're thinking about right now, those same people hate it and they hate you. Now, the cure for hate, and it sounds incredibly trite to say this, but it's true, is love. And unfortunately, <laughs> where hate is easy, as anyone who has ever been in love can tell you, love requires work. Love requires attention and upkeep and compromise and real effort. But there's also so much joy that comes from that because with that work comes knowledge. To love something is to learn about it constantly, whether that's a new skill, a new technique, a new career, or something as simple as how your favorite person in the world likes their coffee. Hate can't exist without ignorance, and that's what makes it easy. And love can exist without knowledge, and that's what makes it work. But it's the kind of work that I think, even when it's the most difficult, sends you to bed at the end of the day with a smile on your face. So, professed allies, we have work to do. We don't get to go to a wedding where they read from the Obergefell decision and tell ourselves we did a good job anymore. We have learning and conversing and comforting and protesting and listening to do, and it isn't all gonna be easy. But if we wanna live in a world, and I do, that has more love in it than hate, we need to get to work. And speaking of work and speaking of learning, joining us in the studio, I'm so happy to welcome Chris Cabrera, longtime industry insider and LGBTQ advocate. Chris, how are, how are you doing, man? Oh man, Greg, uh, that, that is a loaded question. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? You know, um, usually um, when Pride rolls around, this is, you know, uh, the most exciting month for us. This is, you know, Pride Month is when, you know, it's we get to live and celebrate our dignity and our integrity and who we are as human beings and just, you know, who we are every day, just trying to live our peaceful lives. But this year, with everything that's happening and what you just spoke about, um, it's been a little difficult. Uh, it's been a struggle to try to find the joy uh, in this month and try to, you know, find the, the queer joy that I've that I deserve to celebrate and that is mine to celebrate and that I have fought for and my ancestors and transcestors before me have fought for. Um, but instead, uh, it looks really different right now. And, you know, I wanted to speak to something when you were speaking about hate and, you know, love requires knowledge. You know, I think, and this is just, you know, my, my humble opinion um, as a trans person of color, you know, living in this country right now is they hate us because we live in our truth and not everyone knows how to do that or has a place or lives in a space where they can do that. And so we live in our truth and we are true to ourselves. And that's why they hate us because they can't live in their truth. And I'm not saying that everybody wants to be transgender or LGBTQ, but I'm saying not everyone has the means or the courage to live in their truth. And they hate that we do. So if they can't live in their truth, they don't want anyone to. You know, and I think, I think that's what we have to remember that it's the loudest and the most hateful in this country right now that are making their voices known. And it's a very small, small mi minority because more often than not, there are folks out there that want what you want, Greg, you know, what Southern and I have spoken about, what I speak about all the time. There are plenty of folks in our industry right now that are fighting alongside me that want to see a more inclusive and a more equitable space for our community with not only within our, you know, little pocket of the, of the industry, but in the world. And I think, you know, that's what I am trying. That's the strength I'm trying to gather from right now is knowing, cause it's easy to get lost in the darkness and to just get swallowed up 
by all of these things happening right now. That human rights campaign, which has been active for the last 40 years and fighting for my community. Last night, they just issued uh, a state of emergency for the LGBTQ Americans right now across the country. We're in a state of emergency right now. It is dire enough that our organizations that fight and protect us are telling us to be careful and to watch our backs. So I want people to remember that, you know, that when, you know, and, you know, it's something that I want to talk to you about today, allyship. But if I could, I, I would like to just give a little brief definition on pride and why Pride Month exists, if that's okay with you. Oh, my please. Yeah, I'd like to, you know, um, a lot of what I do, and I think, and I believe, actually, the only way to get to where we need to is through and not over. So it's going to have to get messy, and it's going to have to get uncomfortable. But that's what it's going to take. And that's what, you know, my ancestors and transcestors in 1969 saw. So the reason we have Pride Month, and the reason it's in June, is because in 1969, on June 28th, um, at the Stonewall Riots here in Greenwich Village, at the Stonewall Inn, riots, a three-day riot ensued to stand up and fight for our place and our visibility and representation. Back in the 60s, actually back until, I would say, the late, early 70s, it was illegal to be LGBTQ in this country. You couldn't own a liquor license if you were a gay bar, and you couldn't be openly gay. So these were, that was the fight of that time, was just being able to say, I'm gay. And so police you know, would raid all our queer spaces all over the country, looking for handouts, looking for payouts, but just looking to harass us. And you know, while, while Stonewall riots was not the beginning of our revolution, it was the watershed. And it was that day, that three-day riot where pride, as we know it today, was born. In fact, the Stonewall Inn is the only bar in this country that's a national historical monument that was deemed so in 2015. So it is the only bar in the country that's a national monument. It is kind of our Mecca, if you will. You know, it's the beginning and end for all of us, you know, when we start Pride. But that's, that's what it was. Back then, it was just being able to say I'm gay. And then in the 80s, we all had to come together to take care of each other during the AIDS crisis. We lost a whole generation of queer men. And our fight today is our civil rights. This is the civil rights fight of our time, the LGBTQ fight. And, you know, I just, I'd like, so pride for us, pride is a feeling. Pride is, is, is what we fight for. Pride originally was a protest. And that's what I'm having to go back and remember, especially right now in this time where there's over 540 anti LGBTQ legislation trying to be passed in this country. There are, there are states now where I cannot go to the restroom publicly because I have to go to the restroom designated to the sex I was assigned at birth. So there are certain states right now where I could be arrested for going to the men's restroom. But if I go into the women's restroom looking how I look, I could still get harassed and much something much more could happen to me. So I always want to just you know preface any conversation I have about pride, about my community with why we have pride in the first place. Yeah, and and I think what feels important this year is it almost I hate to, I hate to say and and just kind of what we're talking about here about allyship because this is all dire. <laughs> As you said, it's it's an emergency and it almost uh, it feels a bit like as as people who stand who who support the queer community but but see ourselves as outside of it 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 feels a bit like we got complacent like pride for the last few years at least in my memory has been it's kind of like you know oh it's you know it's it's been it's been fun not to not that look we are a pro fun podcast here on the speakeasy we're not sure. anti-fun but it almost <laughs> feels like there was a sort of sense that 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 we that the gains that have been made were permanent and i think we're finding out now that we're not and and i think that that has led to a period of adjustment for people who who consider themselves allies well that's a, you know we throw around that word if i may we throw around that word ally a lot and what it means to be an ally and and if i may i i want to just talk about allyship for a moment and oh, first i want to define what allyship is let's define let the Webster Dictionary for allyship 
is active support for the rights of a minority or marginalized group without being a member of it. Allyship isn't meant to be comfortable because the folks that you are aligning with aren't comfortable. The whole point of allyship is to join forces and to amplify marginalized and minority voices. This means that you are in it with that group regardless of, of what, what may come, that you are going to stick it out and you're going to center their voices and center their needs. That's what being an ally is. Now, if you want to stand down because you don't want the backlash and you want to try to play both sides, you're going to wind up not having any side that supports you. Because unfortunately, the LGBTQ plus community didn't draw the line in this sand. We don't want special rights. We don't want anything. We just want human rights. And I think this is where a lot of corporations and, you know, a lot of folks get it wrong. You know, they, they think we need special treatment. We don't want special treatment. And our very existence has been made political. And, our, and who we are, just trying to live our lives and just trying to exist, has been made political. You know, these, these folks are so concerned with this, this backlash from, from the loudest and most hateful in our country. They aren't considering or thinking about the la- backlash of an entire community of folks, Greg, who spend over $3 trillion a year on consumer products, on traveling, and on drinking and eating. $3 trillion is what the LGBTQ community brings in annually and what they spend. And yet we're the community that is the most, it, it's, it's the easiest to be like, oh, it's too hot there. We can't touch that right now. And what you're telling people, what you're telling my community is you can, you can support us as long as you don't get uncomfortable or you don't have to give up anything. And, and I think right now, more than ever, we need to see our allies, especially during this month, for your friends, your colleagues, your family members who are queer. Make sure, if you are a true ally, that you're creating a safe space for them to be in their joy or to just listen to them or to be a shoulder to cry on or just to let them know that you, they have you to support. And I think that's what allyship is. And you got to get your hands dirty to be an ally. And it can't be done. Like you said, we all got complacent. After, you know, marriage equality was passed, we all kind of thought it was, we were on the up and up. Um, And, you know, things are just going to get better. And these last few weeks, what we've seen is all that progress and all the work that we've been doing together as a community and with our allies has been slowly stripped away from us, piece by piece. Um, and so for me, it's, a li- it's left me a little lost for words because I don't really know, um, as a trans person of color in this country right now, my community is the most vulnerable out of all the communities, but yet we're the ones that are being attacked the most. So what I can do to try not to get lost in that, in that darkness of, I'm, am I making a difference? I focus on our little pocket of, of the industry, the, the pocket of the industry that I can help change. And, you know, that's, that for me is, is what my focus is at the moment. What the hell happened with like, like, <laughs> how did we get so sidetracked and off course on all the progress that was happening? Like, and also I'm just going to fucking say it. Um, where are these people coming from? You know, like, <laughs> like I thought like all the stodgy old white fuckers who were making all these stupid laws and like bringing, like, like bringing down Roe v. Wade, I thought they were about like dying or about to die. Like, can they, like, can something happen? Like, I don't know what the fuck. I think, you know, in my humble opinion, this is, this is what I think is happening, Damon. Right now, the country is becoming um, more and more, um, you know, this country's looking more and more like what it's always been. You know, black and brown, the Asian communities, those communities are growing. And, you know, the the white community is going to be the smallest community soon. And I think what's happening is right now they know they're losing control because Gen Z, when Gen Z becomes of age, that generation that was born after 1994, I believe that is going to be the generation that is going to really change things. 
and they're going to become a voting age. So right now they're trying to pass all these draconian, egregious laws, 540 anti-LGBTQ laws in the last year and a half. To me, that is- That's insane. That's just insane to focus on a community that's not doing anything. We are not bothering anyone. If you ask- you know, I just want to exist. I want to live my life with my friends and my family and my wife. And I have dreams that I want to follow, but all of that I have to put off to the side right now. The things that I want to do in my life, I have to put to the side right now because I, I want to fight for my community and I have to say the hard things out loud. And I have to, and when you have to say the hard things out loud, and when you have to challenge a status quo, it doesn't make for easy living. <laughs> right. there, there's never really, you know, I, I feel like every day of my life is a fight in some way, shape or form. And so I think that's what it is. Or they know they're losing power. They know what this country is headed toward, a more progressive, inclusive place. And so they're going to do everything they can to stop it. And so they're just throwing all of these things you know, left and right at us, you know, and like Target, really, if you don't, this is the thing. So Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A for me, even my, my family eats a Chick-fil-A, but I don't, I, I haven't like sat down with them and, and given them the business why they should, because it's me, it's my own personal preference not to eat a Chick-fil-A. I don't need anyone else not to, because I don't. And I think that's where it comes in these people, because they have a personal preference or they feel some type of way about you know, another person, they feel everybody needs to feel that way. And it's, I, as I call it, it's the caucasity of, <laughs> of it all. It's just, I deal with caucasity every day in some way, shape or form. And it's coming for me at every angle, but that's, that's what it is, is just, and another thing, what, what if, and I'm going to throw this revolutionary idea out there, but what if everyone just minded their own business and just tended to their own their own lives. What a crazy idea. <laughs> if you don't like me and you don't like how I live my life, then don't talk to me. Yeah. Don't follow me on Instagram. Don't put yourself in these areas. You know, there we can live simultaneously and never cross paths. And and I think too, it, I think that's what I for me personally, um, it's it seems like such a simple concept, I think. It's a, it's such a simple concept just to and, you know, um, one of my one of my bosses, you know, he's like the industry bleeds blue. And that's what he said. And that's like the best way to, to put it. We we're such a you know, our industry is everyone is welcome. You know, you can be whoever you want and be successful. I'm proof of that. You know, I'm proof that you, you know, you can walk in this industry with your head held high. And winning and being successful as unapologetically and authentically you and you know it's it's and that's why for me this industry i can't change the entire world but i the things i can change and the things that i have you know reached and i can touch those are that's what i'm going to focus on um you know otherwise it just it gets it's it's just too overwhelming um but you know it's it's been I'm trying to get into the, you know, space of, I'm not going to let them take my queer joy. I'm not going to let them take my trans joy. I'm going to go into this month and I'm going to, I'm going to be with my community. I'm going to support my community in, you know, we're, we're going to be in our joy, but it, it's, I'm, I'm finding it difficult this year. And, you know, this is my 28th pride. I came out in 1996 so in the 28 years that I've been celebrating Pride, this this one for me has been um, the most gloomy, I guess. And that doesn't that doesn't and that kind of breaks my heart to say. And I I, I want to ask you about this because to me it feels opportunistic. It's there's a certain almost arbitrariness to it that in addition to everything else just like everything else makes me so angry the arbitrariness of it just is irritating and it feels like the people that are passing these laws 
fucked up overturning row so badly that they all of a sudden were panicked and were scrambling and were like, oh crap, what other, you know, what what else can we do to get people mad and afraid? Uh 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 drag queens, you know? And it just well, feels but- so it, 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 it does it feel that way to you? So yes, it does, but the but the drag so banning drag queens is um what they're really doing, and if you read the laws, like you know, um, in Florida and and Tennessee, for instance, the laws are written very vaguely. It just says a person wearing clothes opposite the gender that they were assigned at birth. So what that can start, so they start with drag queens, right? But what they really are getting to is trans folks. So they're starting with drag queens because drag queens, you know, men wearing women's dresses and, you know, grooming and all of that. Um, and, and, and let me just sidetrack for that. I know drag queens all over the country. I like to say I have drag harems all over this country. <laughs> I work with, you know, it's something I'm very proud of. I love my queens. I have been obsessed with queens since I came out at 17 years old in the mid 90s. They're wonderful human beings. They are our cheerleaders. You know who the people who are on the front lines of the Stonewall riots of the Compton Cafeteria riots, of the Black Cat riots, of the Cooper Donuts riots, were drag queens and trans people of color. My people, my community, the most vulnerable of, because it's usually the ones who are hit the most and have nothing to lose. They're the ones who fight back first. So I, these drag queen laws are just a cover to really say, we're coming after the trans community. And so, for me, I, I came out as trans at 41 years old. And, you know, it's, it was the best, most wonderful, most exhilarating um, experience, uh, decision of my life. I have a newfound confidence now that I never knew I could have. I look, at, I look in the mirror and I see me. I finally can see me. At 41 years old, my entire life, I've never been able to say that. At 41 years old, I felt finally comfortable in my body. I could look at my body and see that it was mine. At 41 years old, all I'm so excited. I'm a 44-year-old adult. But inside, I'm this 16-year-old boy who has just discovered that the world, you know, is my oyster, so to speak. You know, and it, and, it, and it's such a juxtaposition because as an adult, as a 44-year-old activist, LGBTQ trans activist, half the world, half the country wants to see me not exist. Um, and I'm just trying to navigate and just, and just live in my truth. And so this is the happiest I've ever been in my life. Yet this is the most scared and saddest and and terrified I've ever been in my life. Like I can't have one without the other when you're trans. You can't live in your truth and not be terrified of living in your truth. And that's and that's what my community is going through right now. And that that is is what we're dealing with every day. And we're dealing with all of this every day and having to put on a a game face and go to work and do our job and be social and pretend like we're not having to carry all of this with us every day. Well, that's, that's, that's heavy. It's heavy. Like the fact that you, you just said you can't have one without the other. It's like, man, it's like tripping on acid in the subway. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's fun and it's great, but then it's also kind of scary. Um, no, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make that straight connection, but it's. And that's the thing you like, can't, you can't make the connection, Damon, because you, you know, you can't understand, like, it's so hard to, to put yourself in that place to, 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 until you're, you're in, in it, it. until yeah. you're in it and you feel it, you, you can empathize and you can yeah. be like, and be an ally. Sucks. you can be an ally. And I think, you know, when I was speaking to Greg about coming on, you know, this podcast, and I, I, I was very honest with him in Souther. I was like, are we going to, do you want me to speak freely and candidly? Of course. Or, you know, and, but it was something that I had to, 
I have to make sure of because what I am saying, it, it is a truth and it's, it's reality, but it's also very heavy. And if it's heavy for you all to hear, imagine how it is for us to live. And imagine how, how it feels for us to just go out um, and just live our lives. You know, I'm going to sit, I am, I'm going to be traveling all over the country and, and celebrating prides with my community. And I'm going to be in states where I'm going to have to have a chaperone, you know, where I can't be by myself. I'm 44 years old. I'm a grown ass person. Yeah. And I, I can't, you know, I'm going to have to, you know, depending on where I'm at, I'll either wait till if, they don't have gender neutral restrooms and I'll just have to wait till I get back to my hotel to go to the restroom because I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to the women's restroom because you, you look at me. It's almost more dangerous for me to go in the women's restroom than it is for me just to go in the men's restroom and just relieve myself and do one of the most mundane things (laughs) that we all do as humans all the time is the great equalizer actually (laughs) we all think shits i don't i don't know what they think trans people are doing in restrooms um but i promise you it we're just relieving ourselves and then getting right back to it you know um maybe checking tiktok but that's yeah i don't want to spend any more time in any restroom than i have to (laughs) you know (laughs) so here we are (laughs) you know and um but yeah it's you know, usually I, I did a podcast a couple of years ago, Welcoming Pride, and it was a very different tone, you know, uh, in 2021. And it was a very joyous occasion. And we were just talking and just celebrating. And, oh, I had just, you know, come out as trans and I just begun transitioning. And, you know, I just had all of this, you know, excitement. And I still have that. I still try to, to, to focus on it every day. But for me, it's making sure that my community is okay. And this is the thing. Do I want to give up and just say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to mind my own business. I'm just going to do me. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do my job and I'm just going to, you know, let the world burn. But then I think about how many LGBTQ folks in this industry have come up to me at tales at a Portland cocktail week at camp run amok at all the places I've been and taken me aside and thanked me for what I do and tell me that because they see me, they know they can see themselves in a role like this one day. And so for better, for worse, I have to dust myself off every morning, give myself a good cry and then get back at it. Yeah. I, I definitely want to talk a little bit more about the, the you know, what it is, what it, you know, your history, your origin story, and what it's been like then versus now for you uh, in the, the bartending community, because we are, we are a bartending show. But unfortunately, uh, right before we do that, we have to take a quick break uh, to hear from our sponsors. We will be right back with Chris Cabrera here on the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. So stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. And in the studio today, we have our good friend, Chris Cabrera. And we were talking, uh, you know, we're talking about some heavy stuff. And for me, like my my relationship with the community, the LGBTQ plus community comes from Oklahoma City. Like I started going to Pride in like 98, 99 um, in Oklahoma City on 39th Street 
where there's a lot of gay bars and clubs and there, but there's also a satellite bar kind of uh, like up off of like 50th street called the high low club that just closed last year. And it was like a safe place for punks and gay people. Right. So like, and that was our community in Oklahoma city and in Oklahoma and Texas. And like, and it's it's kind of interesting that those two communities kind of come together because you're kind of like marginalized and you're like kind of outcast, right? And yeah. you, you and you also you're kind of like we're just trying to exist, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny that you say like I said, you know, when I first came out, you know, in the mid '90s in Texas, I was a kid. I was 17 years old. I, you know, I was about to grad. I just graduated high school, um, and you know, it was a very different time. It was before internet. It was before you know Will and Grace and Ellen and all of that. And <laughs> yeah. we didn't, you know, we just had LGBT, not even Q. Right, right. Plus, we didn't have the plus. We didn't have the Q. It was just LGBT. And as a kid, this like you know indigenous Mexican kid in this conservative like Mexican West Texas town, I didn't know what transgender meant. And so I was like, well, I like women, so I guess I'm a lesbian. Sure, that sounds good because I didn't know. Um, but I hung out. And so when I first came out, you know, um, I, I was on my own, unfortunately, for, for about a year and a half. Um, and, you know, I, I, I found my home in squatters and punks. They were my, they were my family. Mm-hmm. And they watched out for me. And they looked out for me, you know. Um, and, you know, it was, I was living on the streets. And when you're living on the streets, it's, um, you find the people that you feel safe around. And, you know, surprisingly enough, so many people are scared of punks, but they are the nicest, kindest folks around. <laughs> and this is what I'm saying about judging a book by its cover. You know, you just never, you never know where you're going to find uh, allies. And you never, you know, you never know where you're going to find your safe spaces. And sometimes you'll be surprised. You know, it's, it's some folks, and especially in these last few weeks, I have found there have been, I would say, an army of folks who have shown up for me and my community in a way that's just touched me and just given me that little more, that little bit extra of strength. I need to walk out that door every day and do what I do. You know, we were talking a little bit before the break about, you know, the community of like in the industry of the bar and I, I know you travel a lot and as do, as have I for, you know, the brand ambassador lifestyle, like you're like living out of a suitcase a lot of times, but you know, one of the things I love most is like, people ask me what my favorite bar is. And like, usually it's a, it's a seat on an airplane next to a stranger or, you know, like I love talking to people, like love like of people and travel is like such a special thing, you know? And you never know who you're sitting next to at the bar as a customer, but you also never know who you're serving as a bartender. And it's, you just gotta be really open-minded about everything, you know, because you'll, like you said about like punks, like a lot of punks are like very nice people and like incredible artists and just great story collectors and tellers, you know, and you really like cutting off, the richness of life by, by cutting out anyone in general, like, you know? So I don't know. to me, I don't know. Pride is something that to me has always been more inclusive than, than exclusive, uh, you know, or like this, this thing, you know, like you said, like growing up in Texas and like, we're, we're old state neighbors, you know, uh, we're from the same zone and yeah, it's, there's a lot of work that still needs to happen, but you know, I don't know. I'm like the silver lining guy. A lot of times on the show, Seller's sure. not here today. He's the Eeyore, <laughs> uh, as we all know. You don't. But, you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Love you, so- love you, Southern. Love you, Southern. Love, you, <laughs> love, love you so much, Southern. So- sorry, you're not here, Southern. <laughs> We're bummed out that you are not. I know. Here, but- he 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 was he he reached out to me and and expressed his you know he, how bummed he was that he wasn't going to get to you know jump on this uh, jump on this particular yeah. episode and, and share his piece. But I guess I guess what I'm saying here is that I know that you're saying that it's a really difficult time this this year for Pride, but at the same time, like as much as like 
so much stuff is fucked up and we're like backtracking laws and like all kinds of stupid shit. It's like you have more allies than ever before, right? I mean, think about like, like we mentioned the Stonewall rights. They're like, Jesus Christ, like the fact that that happened and that's an iconic, like historic landmark, like the progress is still happening. It's just that, you know, we're weeding out all the assholes. And I will say this, and I'm just going to fucking say it. I don't give a shit about like listeners uh, who are on the other side of things, but like Trump fucked everything up. Um, <laughs> we all know that. Well, this is the thing. <laughs> Trump just Trump just allowed just the worst of us to come out. The worst yeah. of us to come out. And this is the thing. Yeah. Like, I think for me, you know, you say silver lining. And when you're an activist, when you fight for your community and and when you fight for representation and visibility, equity, all of those things, space, you have to have optimism. You have to have, you can't be an Eeyore. And it's easy. And sometimes I get, you know, it'll hit me and I get lost in it. But I heard something that Michael J. Fox said once. And it's something that stuck with me. And one of the most truest things and one of the things I've connected with the most, he said, with gratitude, optimism is sustainable. So for me right now, you know, when I think about that silver lining that you talk about, Damon, you know, uh, I think about the fact that, you know, my wife and I were in Savannah, Georgia a couple of weeks ago, and we had a little getaway 48 hour trip. And we had this old black gentleman in an Uber and he kept calling me son because when he saw me, he saw a guy, not, not, not a, a lesbian trying to be a guy or not. He called me son and he called me son the entire trip. And for me that like, you should have seen the smile on my face. And, and my wife was just like, she could, she could feel it. You know, so it's those tiny little things or, you know, when someone calls me sir or when I get called son, you know, by an old black man just telling me the, the business of how life is and waxing intellectual. <laughs> and I'm just there in the backseat taking notes on my phone. I was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he just kept calling me son. You know, so I think about, you know, for me, I think I think about the things that I, I have accomplished. We have accomplished as as as, you know, because it takes a village. And there are so many of us in this industry right now that are fighting for the same thing. And, and for me, my gratitude is what helps me stay optimistic. And, and, and try, and I try to, it's hard though, easier said than done, right? Because I'll, right, I'll wake right. up one day and I'm like, this is a good day. And then I'll, you know, some stuff will come down the pipeline. I'm like, come on. <sighs> okay. We're having so today, much fun. Why? Gonna, oh, okay. Cool. The caucasity has struck again, and uh, here we are. You know what I mean? And so for me, it's just like it, it's having that optimism. And 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 as an activist, as as a writer, as a we call you know because they had the freedom writers in the '60s. So a lot of my fellow activists, we call each other writers. You know, so as a writer, I try, I try to find the silver lining. How, however, however bleak it is, it's it's there, and to focus yeah. on that and get, because I, I tell everyone, as fuel, it, you know, as you use that as because it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better, and I yeah. you know I think people need to realize that, and so for me, it's it's holding on to that optimism, like it's important for me, especially right now, to hold on to that optimism, because that's that's what I'm, that's going to pull me through. Through it all. either way you can't let go that's yeah. the thing it's like it's it's either crumble under the weight of a week full of mondays or flip those motherfuckers into fridays you know <laughs> and, you know and that's and that's what it is for me i this is a you know despite the world being on fire and my community you know, there's not, there now being a state emergency for my community in this country. This is still the happiest I've ever been in my life. You know, I'm finally, I finally have the body that I, I, I feel I was always meant to be in. I have a wonderful wife. I have, you know, amazing friends. I have a great group of allies that are with me no matter what. And so those, those are the things that I try to take with me, you know, when I walk out the door every day with a target on my back. Well, but I, you're, you're doing a 
<laughs> kick-ass job, by the way. Uh, of, <laughs> Thank you. Like, I, yeah, the, the, you, you said something about like it's not all it's not all silver linings, right? It's it's but it's there's motivation to make things better, but you can't always. I don't know. It's like the same thing with like us, like with like bartending and drinks. It's like you can always figure out a way to make the, your Sazerac better, you know, <laughs> or like yeah. whatever, you know, it's like, there's always room for improvement and there is a lot of room left for improvement in that community. Right. And this is the thing I, you know, and, and, you know, this is a podcast focused on our little park pocket of the world. And I think in all our little park pocket of the world, um, it's a very different, different industry than when I came into it back in 2008. You know, especially I, I started my career as a bartender in San Francisco in 2008. So there were like four cocktail bars. It was all white dudes with beards and like fedoras right. and aprons. You know what I mean? And, you know, we were making, you know, disgusting drinks from the Savoy cocktail book that no one wanted to drink. But that we thought we were <laughs> real cool because, hey, you know, it's like totally edgy. You know, these were drinks during Prohibition. And, and I, I got sucked up into that, all of that, because that's yeah. that's where I, I built my career, you know. But it was very, as 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 a Latinx lesbian, you know, in 2008, trying to forge my way into a predominantly all cis white male industry, you know, it it's never been easy. But but this is the thing that I'm so excited about, and this is the thing I try to focus on when it comes to our industry. You know, I look at our industry now. I look at Tales of the Cocktail now. And I was walking through the streets of Tales of the Cocktail last year, and I, it, there were more black and brown and queer folks that I have ever seen before. And maybe they were always there, but they had to hide a little bit. But now I see this industry and I see, you know, do we have work to do? Absolutely. It's always work. It, you know, progress and progress is never ending. It's always evolving. It's never going to stop. But what the industry is reflective now is much more what we truly are than what we have been. Even before, I call, you know, before the pandemic, the before times, even from 2019 to 2023, just to see the representation that's happening all throughout our industry in in brand ambassadors and bartenders and bar directors um, and people winning awards, you know, it gives me it get you know i'm it makes me proud you know to see that you know our industry is i feel it's a model to the rest of the world of what can be of what can be accomplished if we all just kind of work together to the same goal you know and this is a thing too i think there's folks in our industry like you damon and greg that are willing to step back and let us have the spotlight for a little bit and share the spotlight and share the space. And that's what it is. We don't want all the spotlight. We just want some of it. We want our, you know, we don't, we want our technique and who we are and our abilities. We want to be defined by those and not, yeah. not our identity and not our sexual orientation. Cause the two are very different. And I think people forget that how you identify has no, has no significance on your sexual orientation and so i like to always mention those two um yeah yeah, yeah. hey a good drink's a good drink you know, no matter who makes it you know no matter, <laughs> but, who, but, no matter who makes it no matter mm-hmm, who makes yeah. it and i think and i think this industry with you know with especially like i'm on the advisory council for another round another rally i'm on like a few tales of the cocktail committees i'm on the advisory council for um uh focus on health like there are so many organizations now within our industry that are, when we all come together, you really feel the might of it, but you see yeah. that we're all working toward the same goal, which is just inclusivity and equity. Those are the only two things that I, that I think, you know, that we are collectively um, as allies, as writers, as queer folks, as marginalized folks, just trying to, to, to work toward. That's the common goal. Yeah, absolutely. We all need love and respect and a good drink. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe and, and good conversation. That's yeah, all I absolutely. want. That's all I need. I got those. 
you know, I'm a happy boy. Yeah, I don't, I yeah. don't need much else, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, I live in San Francisco. I live in like the North Bay. And uh, it's, I, uh, <laughs> it's funny when you were talking about bartending in San Francisco back in those days, because like, I mean, it, it's, it, well, one, we had to go through the whole stupid vest and tie thing, you know, to get people on board with classic cocktails. Because otherwise people are like, what, $9 for a martini? That's insane. And of How course, dare like, you? Yeah. But I cut yeah. your ice with a chainsaw yesterday in the back. <laughs> and I've made these bitters from a bark of oak tree that has existed for 120 years. So yeah, you exactly. want this cocktail. You know yeah, what I mean? That's, exactly. But I understand that's what we had to do. Yeah. You know, that's, but we had that to do was it. that. You but know? It's, it's, like you said before, it's like kind of like the idea of getting over it. The, the best way to get over it is to go through it. And it's like we had, we went through it that way. But now it's like. Like you said, it's like going to Tales of the Cocktail or Bar Condiment Brooklyn uh, or, you know, Portland Cocktail Week, whatever, you know, any of these conferences, really any of these bars in like, in like when I go back to Oklahoma City, I'm like, what, the, where were all these fucking cocktail bars when I lived here, you know, like, also, <laughs> these people look way cooler than I looked back then, you know, like, and it's just like, it's way like, I don't know, I, like, I, I constantly have to like give praise to our industry for like, the inclusivity and, and, and allowing any of us, whether we're LGBT or punk rock or whatever you are, you know, like, like you, you can have a proper, like very prosperous career path and career, you know, successful career. And like, for me, it's like, you know, um, even talking to another round, another rally, we're, we're, we're working on a program right now um, that, you know, hopefully we can, roll out in the next, you know, couple of years, but ideally working with the trans, uh, you know, the trans community, especially, you know, black and brown trans women and getting them trained, like having like cocktail classes for them because they can, you know, they can come into our industry and thrive, you yeah. know, they can be behind the bar, you know, they can be in bar direct, like they can, this is an industry where the most marginalized you know, in the country, the most marginalized folks can come to our community and find a home and find acceptance. I'm not saying it's going to be like kumbaya, but you know what? They can have the space here in this industry rather than any other industry to be themselves and succeed as themselves. And I think, you know, we talk about back in the day, you know, you, you being in the North Bay, Damon, um, you know, San Francisco has this, this accolade called Bar Star. And they started in oh, 28 yeah. and every year they pick five bartenders that are changing the game industry leaders, blah, 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 blah. So it started in 28. I got it in 2016 and I was the first in San Francisco. I was the first LGBTQ person to get it in 2016. It started in 2008 in San Francisco, which we all know San Francisco to be this like queer Mecca because of the Castro. Right. 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 So it just, you know, it's, it's very, and I, I, I bring that up. Because I think about where we were as an industry in 2016 and where we are now in 2023 and what's happened and how I've become a leader, you know, not only because I'm this trans LGBTQ activist, but because I'm a fucking leader. Well, because you're, you're a fucking badass at your job. Like, <laughs> it doesn't well, you, matter. I was you waiting know, for like, you to say it. I wasn't going to say it. I was waiting for you to say it. But now that you said yeah. it, yes. Because yeah. you're a fucking badass at your job. That's what it is. I mean, but that's, that's, and that's, that's like game recognized game. That's like full respect, you know, like when, when it comes down to the actual, like quality of your professional, like knowledge and experience, like that's really what it comes down to. Don't fucking judge me by whatever color on the flag I am. You know, it's like, judge me by what I do in in the bar or in the industry for accounts like all this stuff in the like with with the partnerships with different organizations like that's what really matters at the end of the day you know and it's also fucking cool as shit that you are you <laughs> by the way you know so that's it, it well well thank you for thank you for saying so it's been it's been to get to chris to become chris to get here to this point in my life it has been quite the journey and I wouldn't 
you know, people ask me about, you know, my past and I've had quite the past and to see me now and, and speak to me now is it, you, you wouldn't know what it took for me to, to get to this point in my life. And so for me, you know, I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade a second of it of, of what I've had to go through in my life to get to, to this point, because it made me who I am and it made me all the heart, all the heartache, all the brutality, all, all of it, all of the, all the things I've experienced have, have helped me to become um, a more empathetic, a more loving, uh, a more kind, and a more understanding individual. And I think it's those of us, you know, they always, what is that word? The, it's the most mad and broken ones that make the greatest leaders. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, for me, uh, yeah. you know, that hits, that hits because I, 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 I get it. You know, it's, it, it doesn't come easy to say the hard things out loud and you're always, always going to, you know, I, it comes at me from every angle all the time. Um, and I'm constantly just warding off all, you know, all the, you know, all the things that I, I have to constantly fight for. But the way I see it is, you know, my ancestors, I'm indigenous, I'm Mescalero Apache, you know, I have Aztec blood running through me. And so my, my the Mescalero Apache tribe, they were a warrior tribe. The Sioux tribe actually looked to us for protection. So I have warrior blood running through my veins. That's who I am. That Those are the people that I come from. So I take this as, as my, like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Like, this is my role in life. This, and, and, and for the ancestors and for those who came before me and for those that I'm protecting and, and paving the way for, you know, after me, if not me, then who? Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's how I see it. It's, it's something I consider it an honor, but also a burden to, to be who I am and, and do what I do. Well, I respect the fuck out of you uh, for, for what you've said <laughs> on this show today. Um, I also want to add to this, that you are like with the platform that you've had in this industry and in now, like from, from, you know, 2008 to 2023, uh, you know, or however, whatever timeline you want to put on this uh, in your career in this industry, it's, it's extremely important to know that, like I was saying before, you never know who you're talking to when you're sitting next to someone at a bar or serving someone, a customer at a bar. It could be, it could be but the fact that what you were saying before is that you are influential in the fact that you are, are helping people who might not have felt like they could actually move forward and like you said you know there's these constant challenges that you face right and you're actually by sharing your story and and talking to people in industry it's like you're actually helping people who might not have felt like they could have moved forward you know and it's like we all we all need to just help each other move forward that's what it comes down to and like it takes a lot more for someone like you to get out there and say these things and help people out by just sharing your story than it does for like some fucking gringo from Oklahoma, like me, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that, uh, you know, like, uh, but at the end of the day, really what it is, it's just like enabling people to just open up and be themselves and move forward and move up, you know, and that's, that's what, I don't know. To me, that's the biggest part of it all. Like we, we all just need to be fucking helping each other, like obtain the the most happiness we can. Right. I think, I think this is also something too, Damon, you know, to, to add to that point, I think, you know, it's hard to hate someone once you get to know them. And so my, my role and what I do and how I, how I navigate through this world and, and how I, I try to pay it forward and how I try to teach and educate is through empathy. If, if you know me and, and you've spoken to me and, and you see me, it's, it's hard to hate. It's easy to hate an idea. 
the idea of us. It's it's hate. It's easy to hate trans people because you don't understand us. You know, we, you know, we 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 take hormones and we we pretend. I'm using quotation marks because you can't see because yeah. it's a podcast. <laughs> but we pretend. I'm using the air quote. But we pretend to be another gender. But really, it's you can have all these far-fetched inaccuracies until you meet one of us, until you, until you know one of us, you know, you can't pass judgment on a whole community. It's hard to hate someone that you've met and that you've connected with on any kind of personal level. I was back home in Austin and my sister and my, my brother-in-law live, you know, in the Hills in Austin and they're very well to do and all of that shit. And you know, I was at a cookout, a barbecue with a bunch of their friends and one of their friend's fathers, who's this like 60 year old white man who has a ranch and outside of Dallas, Fort Worth, this real like, you know, like your quintessential like old boomer dude. And He was speaking to me for like 40. And he, when I tell you this man loved me, I cannot he, he like got he's like, you want to smoke a cigar, Chris? Let's smoke a cigar until like he was like my best friend. Like I made a new best friend. And like halfway into the conversation, we got to the point where he was, you know, I, I talked to him. I was like, yeah, I'm transgender. And when I tell you, he, his mind was just, he just looked at me. He's like, you're transgender? I was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I am. He's like, well, what does that mean? He's like, let me, do you want a drink? I'd like to get a drink for this. And you know what I mean? Like this old ass, like rich white, you know, ranch owner sat down with me, wound up talking for an hour, gave me his phone number told me if I'm ever in Dallas, he'd love for me to go out to his ranch with his family and, and hang out. Like, and that's what I'm talking about. It's yeah. just like those connections, right? It's hard to hate someone. Cause you that, connected as a person. You, yeah. That yeah. we connected as a person before he found out I was trans. So when he found out I was trans, of course it was a whole nother list of questions he had for me, but <laughs> yeah. it was hard for it, it demystified any of the mystery he, that he might've had shrouded around my community. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so. see, that's what I'm saying. You never know who you're talking to, <laughs> but but it, it's always best if it's over a drink. <laughs> yeah, like I always got on board. <laughs> oh, always, always best over a drink. I say, you well, never know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, shit, are we going to be sharing a drink at tails or what? I hope so. I hope so. I will be running around if if I may. Um, I I'd like to talk about just to end it off. So. Another round, another rally, and Club Q. Um, we've we've uh, created um, a fundraiser uh, for Club Q. Uh, Club Q is um, an LGBTQ space that was attacked November nineteenth uh, of last year. Uh, five people were killed, uh, including two trans people, and seventeen were shot. Um, I had the honor and privilege of meeting with a lot of the victims and the owners of the bar, and so. Uh, a fundraiser. We created a fundraiser that's going to go live this Friday on uh, the 9th, where we will be raising money uh, to help them get re reopened. Now, when when spaces, our spaces are usually attacked of this nature, like Pulse and Orlando, they usually don't reopen. But because uh, Club Q is the only LGBTQ space in Colorado Springs, we're trying to get them reopened as quickly as possible. So they're going to build out a memorial for those that were lost and they're going to reopen. Um, and I hate to say this, but they have to bulletproof like the bar top and the DJ booth and um, make it safe, you know, to, to reopen. So, um, you know, we're going, this, this link is going to go live. I'm at the end of the week and it's basically all hands on deck for our little pocket of the community to show up in solidarity, to show up to support um, the most vulnerable um, of, of, you know, of our community right now. So I just, I just wanted to, yeah. to throw that out there as, as, we'll, as, we'll, as, a, as a, as a pitch. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll put that in the, the show uh, link as well. Thank you. I'll send you the link as well, but thank yeah. you. Thank you. Very cool. Um, God, you know, there's, there's so much more to do and so much more to talk about, Chris. We're just going to have to have you back on the show again. Uh, mm -hmm. I would love to, I would love to. I've been, you know, Souther and I have been trying to find uh, a time for, for, for me to come on and, and to chat with you all. And I want to say um, thank you um, to the Speakeasy, to Souther, to, to you, Greg and Damon, um, to, for um, allowing me uh, this space and time to speak very candidly, to be very raw and open about um, the, the work 
and and the fight uh, that I'm part of and that my community, um, you know, endures every day. And, you know, like Marsha P. Johnson, one of our great, you know, civil rights leaders says, none of us are free until we are all free. So I really do appreciate your allyship. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, have, for those words yeah. as well. Um, and speak, I mean, Ron Open, that's how we do it here. We're yep. like an oyster, Ron Open. <laughs> Ron Open like an oyster. I freaking love that. <laughs> I'm I'm biting that, just so you know. That you might be. Yeah. No worries. That's all you. Well, like seriously though, Chris, let's let's have you back on the show. Anytime you want to come back. I mean, it's it's just great, great talking with you. And uh, like really love all the work you've done and are, and are doing. So yeah, just thank you for, for all of that. And thank you for being on the show today. It's been great. I'm sorry that Siller couldn't be here today. Um, I know he, he he's really bummed out that he wasn't able to make it, but next time he'll be here for sure. And uh, well, and next time, hopefully next time, hopefully I'm on the show. We have, you know, it's a positive show. We, we've got things to celebrate, right? Yeah, we we can come together and, and celebrate our progress and, and celebrate how, how things have gotten better. So let's, 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 yeah. let's look to that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been a wonderful show here on the speakeasy on heritage radio network. I really, uh, you know, I want to just say to everyone out there, um, this is pride month, go celebrate, have fun, be safe, take care of each other and know what it's about and really really focus on that you know it's one of those things where it's like like you said at the beginning of the show you know like the stonewall riots and things like that like kind of like it's almost like uh you know you know memorial day was just uh you know a couple of weeks ago people kind of just think of it as a, a free monday that's fun to party at you know and have hot dogs and shit but it's like you know shit had to happen for that to happen so you know it's like one of those kinds of uh, those holidays and it's the whole month and you know, for me, it's like, I love, I love my birthdays tomorrow, June 8th. I love that my birthday is like kind of in the middle of pride month. It just makes me so freaking happy. It's like, there's it's like, a, it's a good time. It's I, a good time. You I'm know, no matter of, what there's, there's yeah, going to be a party, right? There's always going to be a party. So <laughs> yeah. it's great. But uh, that yeah. said, uh, that's it for the speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio for more programs like this one. And until next week and for the rest of the month, cheers. Cheers. Ooh, that was a nice one. <laughs> so you don't shun the devil with your right The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. <laughs>